Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Light and Lion podcast. Today we are diving into uh, another edition or entry into our series, uh, kind of answering some some questions that are are difficult and challenging, but questions that we should know the answers to nonetheless. Um, and to, today is no different from that. We're talking about doubt and kind of what that looks like in the life of a believer. Um, so without further ado, I'm just going to get us kicked off um, and, and get us going here. So first question, kind of a high level overview is that's kind of going to drive the episode um, overall is going to be, what should I do if I say I'm a Christian, uh, but regularly struggle with doubts and unbelief? So let's keep that in our minds as we go. Um, I'm going to kick it to you, Chris, to kind of start off with and let you kind of give us just a quick um, sort of just a rundown of sort of your experience with this, because I know we both have have some experience uh, in this in this area. Yeah, sure. And I think it's probably most Christians, if not all Christians, to some degree or the other, have experienced doubts and unbelief. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll be brief, but for me, really, it's been a large part of my faith journey for the last couple of years, actually. And I don't know if our listeners are familiar with um, John Bunyan, but he actually has a book. It's a, his autobiography that he wrote in prison. And, and he was not in prison for doing something wrong. He was preaching the gospel, by the way. I, <laughs> um, I wasn't getting my, you know, getting my the- theological lessons from a convict or something. Yeah, it's good. Not it's that good there'd context. be anything wrong with that if, if they're redeemed, but yeah. But uh, I wanted to clarify that. So right. anyways, in his book, um, it's called Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. And really, I would encourage our listeners to read it because it talks a lot about his struggles with doubt and how he felt a lot of the times that he, when he would have blasphemous thoughts that he recognized were contrary to the gospel, they were contrary to God, they would, they would be offensive to God. He really struggled with that. He struggled to accept forgiveness that Christ offered for those things. And that's really a lot of my story. I, I struggle a lot with unwanted thoughts, thoughts that don't seem like they're really coming from me necessarily. If you've ever read The Pilgrim's Progress, which again is a work by John Bunyan that he wrote in prison. He was in prison a lot uh, for <laughs> preaching. And, um, but in the Pilgrim's Progress, when Christian is going through, um, I believe it's the Valley of the Shadow of Death, there's demons whispering blasphemous thoughts. And he gets to a point where he can't even tell if the thoughts are coming from his own mind or from somewhere else. And, and so at a high level, that's sort of my experience with it. I'll say God's been really good to me. There are seasons where those fears and those doubts don't really seem to attack me all that much. But then there's other times where, um, you know, I, I feel overwhelmed. And so I'm really excited to get into this episode because it's been a huge part of how God's uh, worked in my life for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. But Dakota, what about you? Um, I, I know that you have some experience as well with the the good old doubts oh, yeah. in the life of the Christian. Yeah, no, well, what you were saying made me think about, um, and, and it's a, a poor paraphrasing of a quote that I heard, but it's something to the effect of, of the devil can't steal your salvation, so he'll try to like distract your sanctification, um, something along those lines, right? So I think the the chief aim of the devil, because he knows he can't touch you and he knows that he's lost you, is he's going to try to distract you as much as possible. Um, and, and that is, I mean, that's what doubt is. It's just another distraction. Um, and he referenced Pilgrim's Progress, and, um, and, and we see that clearly in that. If y'all have not read Pilgrim's Progress, highly recommend it. Um, it's a, a really good read. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my experience with, with doubt has been, by the grace of God, it's been a lot less pertaining to the doubt about the existence of God or um, the, you know, the, the, the plan of salvation, um, we, you know, what Jesus did for me on the cross, things like that. That's never really been in question um, in, in, in my mind. And, and again, praise God for that, because that's just, that's just, you know, grace. 
for me, it's been more of the this kind of nagging thought of if I was God, I would do this differently. Um, and so I think that's where the doubt for me has come into play. Um, without going too much into into detail, uh, my mom has struggled with uh, with with pain um, for for about twenty years, um, you know, give or take a year or two. And she's had a lot of surgeries, and she still deals with this to this day. And just I remember growing up and seeing her, um, you know, so many times being bedridden, um, you know, having to uh, you know having to miss out on things that she obviously didn't want to miss out on. Um, and, and it's, it was very hard to watch. And I just remember thinking time and time again, God, I know you can heal her. Um, why haven't you, if, if I was God, I, I would have healed her. Um, as the years have gone on by the grace of God, I've been able to see the, a little bit more high level, the bigger picture. And I've seen the direct result of what has come from that. A lot of sanctification, a lot of, um, increase of trust and faith and confidence and things that wouldn't have been able to happen any other way, if not through this. Um, and so while she's still in pain now, it's less of a doubt of God's sovereignty or his goodness and more of an increase of confidence in his power and his thoughts being higher than my thoughts and his ways being higher than my ways. Um, and again, what I'm going to keep going back to is just all by the grace of God, right? Because it's nothing that I could will of myself to, to remove these doubts. Um, and so going off of, I guess, kind of that, that mentality, Chris, what would you say to to somebody who I guess is experiencing doubt or, or what would you say to the person who on the flip side of that is not experiencing doubt, but has somebody approach them that is experiencing doubt? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I have a lot that I could say about it again, mainly speaking from personal experience, but I think the first thing is that I at least want our listeners to understand. And I kind of alluded to this is that, Doubt is exceptionally common amongst Christians, and I know later on we probably are going to talk about uh, doubt examples in Scripture. Right. But I want our listeners to understand doubt is incredibly um, prevalent in, in the church. And now don't take that as me saying that, well, everyone experiences it, so it's fine. I don't need to wrestle with my doubts or anything. I can just accept them. That's not what I'm saying, but I am trying to say that it's very likely if you have not yet experienced doubts, and I'm not saying this to be doom and gloom, you will. And if you have experienced doubts, you can very likely use your experience to minister to somebody else who is struggling with those doubts a little bit worse than you did. Right. And so um, that's the first thing I think. And really also, I, I think doubts and unbelief, all these sorts of things, it reminds us of our need of a savior. So in some sense, we should embrace doubt, not because, again, not to say, well, let's be friends with them because doubts and unbelief are friends of the enemy and tools of the enemy. So I'm not saying that we should be friendly with those things. But what I mean to say is like what Paul says in Second Corinthians when he says, I'm going to boast in my weakness right. because it is my because it is my weakness. When God works through me, despite my weakness, he gets all the more glory. And so I think that's the other thing. Um, and th the final thought that I have here just quickly yeah. is... I, I think when we experience doubts, it is important, and this kind of goes with my first point, it is important that we fight against these doubts and these thoughts because, again, it's a tool of the enemy. We don't want to be friendly with them. And I can't remember where I was reading this. 
uh, study, but it basically surveyed Christians who have experienced doubts in their Christian life. And the number one response to those doubts was to give up going to church, to give up praying, to give up going to Bible study, to stop reading their Bible, basically to stop all of their Christian um, and spiritual disciplines. Right. And that is absolutely the wrong thing to do. Um, and so those are kind of my three big things that I think when I think of doubt in the life of the Christian. Right. I think, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. going off of that, cause you, you kind of touched on the idea of sort of a, um, a, a deconstruction, I guess, so to, so to speak, you know, when you're, when you're stepping away from, you know, from, from church, when you're not reading your Bible anymore, you're not praying. And I think we talked about this on, I believe it was the last episode, um, talking about the, you know, the scripture and, and the reliability and things like that. I think we had touched on, um, you know, deconstruction in a sense. And I, I know we had said, or something that we kind of have harped on really throughout this entire series so far is that it's so critical to not stop at the question or the doubt, but to take it to its conclusion, right? So, um, and we're going to get to it. And so I don't want to, I don't want to get there yet, but, but we do see examples in scripture of people doubting and we see the, when handled the right way, the beauty that can come from that. Um, you know, so I think it's important that if we are experiencing doubt and when we experience doubt, rather than sitting in that doubt and, you know, start kind of inundating ourselves with the world and what the world says about what that doubt means, instead take it to the source of truth um, and see what the only truth, what they have to say about about the doubt. Um, and I know in, in my own yeah. experience, I know when I've done that, it's 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 turned that doubt into a really amazing thing because it's increased my confidence and my trust in Christ. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the other side too that we should probably briefly touch on is, you know, we're focusing a lot on how do we respond to doubts and those sorts of things, which I think is a huge component, of course. Like you're saying, we can't stop at the question itself. We really need to engage these questions critically. But I think another side that we probably should touch on, because this is something I wrestled with and struggled to understand for a long time, and that is is having doubts of sin. Right. You know, I think at some point in this episode, we should probably touch on that. We can touch on it now or come back to They'll it. Jump but into I think it. that's another. Yeah, yeah I mean, because I, I just think, and again, this is kind of based on my own experience where I really struggled with, am I committing am I committing a sin when I don't even want to have the thought in the first place? Right. If I have a doubtful or, un, you know, a, a thought that's rooted in unbelief, am I committing a sin because I don't want to commit that or I don't want to have that right. thought? And and I think there's a couple ways to look at it. Um, I, I think a large part of it depends on, I will say unbelief in and of itself is a sin. Um, scripture repeatedly condemns unbelief. And Jesus constantly uh, chastises his disciples for their unbelief when he's doing miracles right in front of them, and they still don't believe um, his message, um, or, or at least they don't understand it. They don't really believe it as they should. And so unbelief in and of itself is a, a sin, and I would also go as far as to say unbelief is a like it is the root of all sin, right? We sin because we don't believe God's goodness, his promises, those sorts right. of things, right? And so, but on the other side, I think when we have doubts, how we respond to them is really telling. So if if you have a doubt and you're using that to justify your sin, so let's say that you're a young man and you struggle with pornography, right? And I just use that because it's a common example. Right. But let's say that you're a young man, you struggle with pornography, but you also are a professing Christian. Well, let's give two scenarios. Let's say in one scenario, that young man comes across a video of Bart Ehrman who's talking about the, um, how the Bible, 
um, isn't true or it's not historically accurate or whatever, right? So that seed of doubt gets planted. Well, how do you respond? You have two options. You can, A, go back to the source of truth and you can investigate and see, okay, is this claim true? No, all right, Bible's true, I'm good. I'm gonna keep living in accordance with that. And that's gonna have impacts on how that young man struggles with pornography, right? But on the flip side, what if you hear that, the, you know, you hear the claim, the seed of doubt gets sown, and then you say, oh, well, it's okay if I watch porn because I don't know if all this Jesus stuff is true anyways. So I guess what I'm getting at is how you respond to your doubt is very telling, um, not just about the state of your soul, but really, it are you being sanctified? Are you trying to live a life that honors God? And of course, that's not what saves you, but it is a sign that you are in fact born again. Right. I mean, I think. I, and so, uh, well, I like that you mentioned uh, the doubt in terms of you know because we think of of doubt, and I think the way we initially approached this episode was doubt in you know that that we can trust that what God says is true in in His Word and things like that. But I think it's also important too to to understand it. And, and, you know, I like that you brought this up is that it's possible too, that especially if we're talking about doubt and sin, that sometimes we have a tendency, I would say sometimes, oftentimes we have a tendency to doubt the wrath of God, right? So we, we doubt <laughs> the, the omnipresence or the omniscience, you know, omnipotence of God. Um, and we might not say verbatim, or we might not, you know, we might not say that we do, but when we do something, because we have convince ourselves or lie to ourselves or, you know, that, that we can do this in, in, in secret, um, or that we can harbor these thoughts in our minds or this hatred or, you know, whatever it might be that in, in essence, while we might not say it with our mouths, we are in practice doubting God. And so yep. that, I mean, that is, that is in essence, that is doubt, right? And that is absolutely a sinful yep. doubt. I think that when we're talking about the doubt of these thoughts that you don't want to have, and they come out of left field, um, you know, and you're wondering where did that even, where did that thought even come from? I think that kind of goes along the sort of the category of kind of like with temptation. If you're if you're tempted, it's what you do with that temptation that determines whether or not it's sinful. Um, you know, like we we see Jesus being tempted, um, you know, by the, by Satan, for example. Obviously, Jesus was without sin, so the temptation itself is not sinful. And we see that Jesus responded in the exact right way. However, if we respond to temptation and we give into it, that's sinful. Just as you know, going off of that, if we feel doubt and we respond to that doubt in a way, like you said, where we now engage in sin because we doubt something about God's character, we doubt His word is true, whatever it might be, um, then I, I definitely think that that would fall into the category of of sin for sure. Yeah, and I think kind of building off of that as well. And this is going to sound pretty crazy to our listeners, I'm sure, but there are some times when doubt can be a good mm. thing. I know for me personally, it wasn't until I started experiencing doubts about what I believed that I really got into God's word and I really started seeking after truth. Right. And that's not to say that I willed myself to do those things. I'm a firm believer. As you know, Dakota, I am... Um, I, I'm a part of that reformed camp, right. so it's God's sovereignty and God's grace all the way. And I believe that sometimes, or not sometimes, all the times, God ordains the means, and sometimes those means are us experiencing doubt and coming face to face with our own sinfulness and our own failings. And as a result of that, um, God intends that to 
sanctify us. He intends it to maybe bring out a sin that we're unaware of, that we're struggling with, maybe an idol in our life. Doubt can have all kinds of good outcomes, but again, the goodness of those outcomes really goes back to, like we've been talking about the last few minutes, how is it that you respond? Are you embracing sin because of your doubt, or do you find yourself constantly going back to the throne of grace, begging God to have mercy on you, confessing your doubts and your unbelief, because those two things have totally different outcomes, right? Yeah. And and they're both very telling. Because an, another thing that we can maybe even talk about briefly, and I, I again, thought this myself, is if I have doubt, does that mean I'm not authentically a, a Christian? Right. So I maybe if we want to talk about that for a second, uh, Dakota, do you have any thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think, I think real quick, touching on, you know, kind of the last thing you said, I had a couple thoughts on that. Um, one, I think that... You know, I mean, it, it says it all in that in Romans eight twenty eight. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Nothing surprises God; He's sovereign. He He knows the the end from the beginning. Um, so we can rest in that. Our doubts do not surprise Him, um, and He can bring about good from those things. Obviously, um, I think something else that that you know, kind of that I thought about here is that God is is able, and He does create weakness and desperation to show us our dependence on him. And there's no other way for us to understand that and to come to that conclusion without him placing these things in our lives. I know speaking for myself personally, if I don't go through something that creates desperation, I won't be desperate. And so my, if I'm going through a season of where things seem pretty easy, you know, there's nothing, no, nobody in my family is, is, experiencing any kind of, you know, obviously, like I said, my, my mom's been dealing with pain, but if no one is experiencing, you know, COVID or something like that, um, you know, we had a pretty scary season about a year ago, um, with, with a couple people with, with COVID, um, you know, and it creates some really desperate, I mean, my prayers during that time of like, what's going to happen here, you know, is, are, is, are my loved ones going to, going to make it through this, um, I mean, I, I, speaking for myself, my prayers have never been more, more passionate and more desperate than in those moments. And so those moments of desperation where you, you cannot do anything of your own. You know, there's, there's things that we can convince ourselves where this thing happens, but we have money in the bank to cover it. Um, you know, this thing happens, but our, our health, we can, you know, whatever it is. Those moments where you are completely helpless outside of God working and acting, which is in every situation, but sometimes, you know, we think that that's not the case. But we, yeah. we, we know that we are so helpless. That creates a desperation that builds something in you that cannot be built any other way. And it's hard in the moment of that to see that for what it is, but then you get past it and you're looking back and you look at the faithfulness of God and you see what was born in you out of as a result of that. Um, it makes me think of yeah. in 2 Corinthians 12... Uh, 7 through 10, and I'll read this real quick. It talks about the thorn in the flesh with, um, with Paul. And we don't know exactly what that looks like um, or what that means. But it says, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So I want to make sure that we're not saying that, like you said, 
a couple times. Doubt is something that we should just welcome um, and we should rejoice in, but it is something that we should, one, expect, two, take to God, and three, understand that it is something that can absolutely be used for His glory um, and in our own edification. Um, yeah. So, well, yeah, one, yeah, go ahead. One thing, too, one thing too, real quick, and I know I brought up the question about, you know, the authenticity of conversion, but you said something that kind of got me yeah. thinking, um, which, of course, is going to happen from time to time, but, you know, talking about creating this dependence on God, it made me think of when Jesus says, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, what does poor in spirit mean? That means people who have this utter dependence and recognition of their need of right. God, not just to meet their physical needs. Of course, we all... Ha- we know that all good gifts come from God. That's James 1.17. So we know that our physical needs are met by God, and Jesus himself affirms that. Um, but what about our spiritual needs? Right. And I feel like our, our natural dis, uh, our, our natural kind of position towards that is we don't recognize under our own will and our under our own power that we do need God to redeem our soul, not just feed us physically, but he, we need him to feed us uh, spiritually right. as well. And a lot of times God has to bring us to a place of desperation where we come to the realization of, wow, I did not realize how much of a wretch I am until God has now revealed this to me and praise God for that. Right. That's what Paul is talking about in that, that text that you just read where he is saying, I will, you know, boast in my weakness. And, you know, uh, I forget which Psalm it is, but it basically says that God um, damages, but he also bandages, mm, basically. Right. That's not the exact wording, but you know he hurts, but he also heals. And that's a really strong truth, especially when we consider you know, doubts. Um, doubt can be a rod of discipline. It's not that God himself is implanting the doubts in you, but he is allowing you to experience those doubts so you come to a fuller recognition that, yes, I need God, I need his grace. There's nothing I can do in my own human power that's going to make me right. I have to have him, and I have to receive his grace to be right, right. with him. And so that that brings us to a really good point, which I think we've touched on maybe a few examples already, but examples of people in the Bible right, who experience doubt and I don't necessarily think we have to go through one by one examples, but a couple off the top of my head that, you know, come to mind, probably one of my favorite ones is, and this is in the New Testament, of course, Dakota, I'm sure you've got some good ones from the Old Testament, but the scene where John sends his disciples to Christ and he's like, are, you know, they, he tells his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one or should we be looking for another? Right. I also want to, I also it, want to, because I want, I want yeah. to, um, cause this is really a perfect combination of these, of the questions is that as, mm-hmm. as you continue on this, I want the listener to think about the question of, of if having doubt is a sign of an inauthentic conversion. So I want them to keep that in their yeah. mind as you continue on this with the story. Yep, that was a good call out. Thanks for doing that. Um, I got in a flow and totally forgot about the question. <laughs> but 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 you're right. That does tie in nicely with the story. So John, he sends his disciples to Jesus saying, are you the one to come or should we be looking for another? And in that context, John is sitting in prison. He's probably confused. And I don't know for sure, but I do understand that for in the first century, the Jewish expectation of the Messiah was that he was going to be a political um military leader basically and he was going to throw off the yoke of rome and so i'm sure john the baptist and i don't want to say this conclusively because i may be wrong here 
But John the Baptist is sitting in prison, and he believed Jesus to be this Messiah. So maybe John thought, what's going on, Jesus? I'm sitting in a prison, and you're supposed to be throwing the yoke of Rome off of our shoulders. You know, we, We're supposed to be set free now because you're here. And so he asked this question, and what I love about the story is John, or Jesus rather, he does not tell John's disciples, how dare John? You know, he does not get on to John's case. He, he does not even rebuke John. He simply tells John's disciples to go back to him and say, tell him what you see, that the, you know, the blind receive their sight, the good news is preached to the poor, because John would have understood that that's a fulfillment of prophecy. Right. And so he, he doesn't get on to John um, necessarily and rebuke him. He just reminds him of the, the truth. He reminds him of God's promises. And I think that's a, you know, a great kind of example of what we should do whenever we are experiencing doubt ourselves. We need to go back to the source. We need to look at God's faithfulness, not just in our own lives. We need to look at it in scripture. How has God provided for his people over the last several thousand years since the beginning of time, <laughs> right? How has he done these things? Exactly. And then another question, and then another real quick one that I love is um, well, I, actually, before I say that, the the whole authenticity authenticity of conversion, right? What does Jesus say about John? He says there is no man born of a woman that is greater than John the Baptist. Right. This is the same John the Baptist who experienced doubts that Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, right. now are we going to go as far as to question um, John's faith? Absolutely not. He had a moment of weakness where he expressed doubts. Jesus was compassionate and kind, and he reassured him that the the object of his faith, namely Jesus, was true. And it was it, it was he had his faith in the right place. Uh, in other words, right. but then uh, the other one, real quick, is in Mark, uh, the story of the the dad. He has he has a son who's oppressed by demons, and the dad asks Jesus. He says, "If you can heal my son." And Jesus says, if, <laughs> you know, Jesus almost like got a little bit offended, right? He's like, what do you mean, if? Have you heard of what I can do? Right. And um, obviously Jesus doesn't really say that, but the the dad, his response is so striking to me. He says, I believe, help my unbelief. So the dad, what he's saying is, I believe you, Jesus. I believe that you can heal my little boy. I need you to help the part of me that doesn't believe, and I, again, I just think that's a perfect example of what we are to do when we experience doubts. Instead of shying away from the doubts or r- running from them like there's some scary monster, take the doubt head on and take it right to Christ. Say, Jesus, I believe what you say is true. Help the part of me that doesn't believe. Yeah, I love that. And by his by His grace, he will renew you. It, it won't be instantaneous. I'll, I will say I've dealt with these sorts of things for two and a half years, but I do know that by God's grace, um, be it in this life or in the life to come, I will one day be free because I'm going to see Christ face to face. Exactly. So anyways, I don't want, I, I know I've been talking for a while, Dakota, so I apologize. I want to turn it back over to you now. Yeah, no, that's, that's absolutely agree with all that. I think, I think the, the overarching theme that we want to really just, just plant into the mind of, of both each of us and, and the listener as well is, is the idea that don't stop at the doubt, right? Take it to the Lord. Um, and we see that, that perfect example in that story that we just read about John the Baptist. Um, and I think that if we were in a similar situation, rotting in a prison cell, we'd probably also have some questions as well. Um, and praise the Lord that he, uh, you know, that he gives us that, that confirmation and we know that he is, that he is good. Um, I will say too that I think there is, God is so gracious to reveal things to us um, after, after the fact and see situations where we have desperation and we see we can look back on it and say, wow, um, you know, I, I was taken from this place to this place. And we were really able to see 
the kind of the full picture there. However, God does not owe us the full picture, both either in this life or the next. Um, You know, we have to understand that even if we don't understand why something is happening here and now, it's not once we receive um, understanding of why that, oh, now that makes sense. It's not like now we can trust. Um, Instead, it's, it's, we don't have the option of, of determining when we're going to trust, right? It's, it's faith, it's trust, because the object of who we're putting our faith in Christ, we know that he is, um, you know, we know that he's good. We know that he, that we can trust him. Um, I'm going to give a couple of examples here real quick. Um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap it up. But, um, one of these is Job, um, and, and talking about the idea of if I was God, I would do things differently. Job had, I think a lot of those experiences where he was just like, why am I even here anymore? Why did you even, why did you even create me? You know, if I was going to go through this and I'll, I'll read this here real quick. Job 7, 17 through 21 says, what is man that you make so much of him and that you set your heart on him? Visit him every morning and test him every moment. How long will you not look away from me nor leave me alone till I swallow my spit? If I sin, what do I do to you? You watcher of mankind. Why have you made me your mark? Why have I become a burden to you? Why do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now I shall lie in the earth. You will seek me, but I shall not be. Um, so we see there Job is just, I mean, he is in turmoil. Um, and if you read Job, you'll you'll understand why. I mean, this dude went through a lot. But I love that... He lost everything. He, I mean, he lost everything, yeah. Yeah, he lost his he lost his, his wealth, his family, his health, um, everything. But if you look at the end of Job, in Job 42, it, it, it ends on a, on a good note. And I'll just read a couple of verses here. It says... Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no plan of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this who conceals my counsel with ignorance? Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. When I question, you will inform me. I had heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and I'm sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. So I think coming to a place of, again, of desperation and weakness and understanding that God is God, we are not, his ways are higher than than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And though we would not do something if we were God, I think we can all say, praise God, that we are not God. Um, That's the first example there. I'd say the second one is kind of a case of distraction and letting that kind of increase our doubt or our fear. And we see that with Peter um, when we see Jesus walking on the water. And I'll read that here real quick. Matthew 14, 26 through 31. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I think that we are so, I mean, inundated with with just the the muck and the mire and the chaos of this world, it's so easy for us to take our eyes off of God, off of the truth of his word, off, off of, um, you know, the the knowledge that he is sovereign, he is in control of all things, he's on the throne, nothing happens outside of his purpose and his will. And it's so easy to, for us to see our fears and our worries and our distractions and to allow them to become bigger than they really are, um, to the point of where we commit the sin of thinking that our problems are bigger than our God. So, I would just say, make sure that we're, again, taking it back to the Word of God, taking it to God in prayer. He already knows all of our thoughts, all of our fears, worries, and doubts. There's nothing that you're going to say to Him that's going to surprise Him. So if you have doubt, take it directly to Him. Um, and I, 
I can speak for personal experience again. I don't want to speak for anybody else, but I know that when I've had these doubts and I've taken them to the Lord, though it has not been an instantaneous overnight thing, um, and obviously sanctification is growing, and that's something that's going to, you know, we're going to deal with doubts and, and fears and worries, um, you know, until, until we take our last breath. We can know and we can be confident that God will meet us where we're at. He'll give us what we need to sustain us and that He is a good God who loves us more than we can comprehend. So I think that's probably yeah. a good place to to kind of put it there. That's my summary. So I'm going to let you kind of kind of wrap it up here with some final thoughts. Yeah, um, and I, I really love it. I love the story of Job, how he basically says, you know, I'm sorry for what I said because now I see, you know, and I, I think that's powerful. And I guess one of my closing thoughts would be, um, number one, I want to reiterate we talked a lot about response and th- those sorts of things. How do we respond? And one of the questions that we might have is, well, how do we do that in a God-honoring way? Mm-hmm. You know, there's this really uh, famous saying, I believe it's from the early church, but it essentially says, faith seeking understanding. So again, faith and doubt are not antithetical. Just because you have one doesn't mean you can't have the other. Right. If you have doubts, it doesn't mean that you don't have faith. And that goes into the whole authenticity authenticity of conversion that we talked a little bit about earlier, right? Just because you're having doubts does not mean that you do not have a salvific faith or anything like that. But one of my main points here is that God is not not ever going to sanctify us in a way in which we are no longer dependent upon him for that sanctification. Mm. And what, what I mean by that is he is not just going to take your doubtful thoughts away from you simply so you can go on about living your life. That's if good. God has to leave, leave that thorn in your side the way he did for the Apostle Paul, and again, we don't know. Maybe it was a physical you know, thing. Maybe he was injured. Maybe he had a spiritual temptation that he felt overwhelmed by. Maybe Paul himself had doubts. We don't know. Uh, we can only speculate, which can be dangerous, of course. But again, the main point is that sanctification is driven forward by the work of God's Spirit in the believer. It is not something that we can will ourselves to do naturally. And granted, we do will to do that. We want to do that. But again, under our own power, we're incapable. And that's one of the key distinguishers between a believer and a non-believer. If you are someone who professes Christ and you either never have doubts, I would question if whether or not you're presuming you're saved, right. when that not might be the case, Um but the other thing is, is unbelievers who know they're unbelievers don't have doubts about God. <laughs> they just don't. And we can, I think, take some peace in that knowing that it is because we have been born again, as Jesus says, we've been born of water and the spirit, that we are able to recognize doubts are a sin, uh, again, in, in the context of what we're talking about, where you're starting to doubt God and his goodness and, and those sorts of things, and you act out against him as a result. Um but at the same time, you can have have confidence that God has put that will in you to get rid of those doubts. And right. I guess that's really my point is it's going to create dependency on him. And don't run from that. Embrace it. God is welcoming you into his, his welcoming arms. Uh, the same way Jesus had compassion on John the Baptist, he has compassion on his children. He might discipline you. But he only disciplines those who he loves. And sometimes doubt is the rod that he uses to discipline those who he loves. So I hope this episode was encouraging to everyone. I I know for me, I got encouraged just from the conversation, Dakota. So I appreciate uh, your input here. Um, 
really excited to keep on with this critical question series. I'm not sure what we have coming up next, but I know it'll be a good one <laughs> for sure. Um, but I was yeah, hoping you would know because I didn't either. Yeah, uh, but I'm telling you, one of these episodes, we're going to have to talk about that Israel trip. I didn't want to oh, bring yeah. it up in this episode, oh, yeah, but for we're sure. going to have to talk about for it. For sure. I'll, I'll drop it in in, a, in, a, in a, uh, a smooth way, maybe on the next episode. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, guys, thank you all so much for listening. If you haven't already, be sure that you're subscribed to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Um, you can follow us on Instagram as well at Light Lion uh, Podcast. And we also have a YouTube channel per many of your requests. We have a video component now. So if you guys want to check us out there, um, that would be great. And also, please feel free to share. We are a new podcast. We're trying to get the word out about what we're doing. And we pray that God will bless these efforts. And uh, we would love for you guys to be a part of that. So until next time, continue growing in knowledge to the glory of God. We'll see you then. See you guys.